What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast could be sponsored by you, the listener, by heading on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas writer. There you can become a patron and support the show as I continue to grow, keep the website up to date, um, keep you informed with everything that I'm doing right now, and uh, eventually get a facelift for the website. Um, Every little bit helps, helps keep the lights on, all that good stuff. So again, just head on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas writer and uh, become a patron today. Um, also, check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com. It's uh, my site where you can learn a little about me, uh, get a, a direct link to every single episode, um, all that good stuff. You can also read all of my work. I'm basically writing there every day. Um, the schedule that I have right now for uh, my writing on the site is on Sundays. I'm doing an ATL sports column. Um, kind of traditional in that sense, depending on what's going on in Atlanta sports that week. On Mondays, I am doing a 30 things on the NBA um, that I'm excited about because the NBA is coming back soon. Uh, Tuesdays, I'm doing a Monday Night Raw recap and review. Uh, Wednesday, I am doing a SmackDown Live uh, review. On Thursdays, I am doing a Throwback Thursday, so I'll watch a game because I like watching old highlights. I like watching like 1998 Minnesota Vikings versus like the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, things like that, where Randy Moss went off. Um, so I'm going back, watching old games, uh, and I will be writing about them as if they are happened right now and all that good stuff. On Fridays, I'm doing a nobody ass mailbag where I uh, just I have a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts on sports, and I can turn them into questions, and uh, I'm going to write about them in a nobody asked mailbag. So you can find that on Fridays. On Saturdays, it's, um, it's just a Saturday morning thought, so things I, w- I thought about during the week. I just want to write about and uh, mixed in with all of that, uh, just other kinds of articles like when I wrote about Bruno Caboclo and why it's interesting that the Houston Rockets are taking a chance on it more. Jimmy Butler and his rumored flirtation with uh, the Lakers and why um, he might be a better fit for uh, Kawhi Leonard instead of LeBron James and uh, all that good stuff. So uh, other articles um, spread out throughout the week all that good stuff, but you can find all of that by going to chasethomaspodcast.com. Uh, don't forget, there's a lot of ways you can listen. Spotify is a popular one now, so you can find the Chase Thomas Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Google Play, uh, everything else that you could possibly think of, uh, CastBox, um, just uh, all kinds of great stuff. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, of course, uh, but yeah, just search Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it. And if you are an Apple Podcast listener, uh, it'd be great if you could leave the show a reading and a review. Um, it's just, it's important uh, with the way iTunes works. So it'll help other people find the show, help the show continue to grow. Um, so that'd be great. So if you, uh, if you are an uh, Apple Podcast listener, it would be great if you could leave a rating and a review uh, for the show. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. And uh, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. 
All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. Hello, and welcome to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I'm trying to do this in as much of an NPR voice as possible, so Tom and I um, can convince the listeners that we're um, going to have a very interesting and thought provoking conversation on. Um, just the NBA and everything going on right now in uh, early September. Just a bunch of great news, like Kevin Love um, taking a leadership role with the Cleveland Cavaliers and Tyrone Wallace returning to the Los Angeles Clippers instead of going to the New Orleans Pelicans. Just a lot of intriguing, interesting thoughts. And uh, we got to ensure that uh, <laughs> that we don't wake Tom's young son because he is uh, weathering the storm right now by risking it all <laughs> and awaking <laughs> the the little one to record this podcast. So Tom going above and beyond for the podcast. So Tom, I, I appreciate it. It's Tom Westerham, by the way. I don't even know if I even did the full name because he hasn't been on in a little bit. So I just forgot his last name. No, it's more that it's <laughs> late and both of us are not sleeping much this week because of uh, all kinds of circumstances. But Tom Westerham of MassLive.com is back in the podcast. Tom, good evening. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having a Celtics reporter on to talk everything except for the Celtics. Well, we could talk about uh, Kyrie Irving <laughs> and Jimmy Butler and where they're going to play together next summer. That could be something, right? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm down for whatever, man. I'm like, I'm like you. I'm delirious. So we can, uh, we can get into whatever you want to get into. I will say I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast this week and his certainty that Kyrie Irving is like he like him not being it, why is it so certain like the one thing we've learned of NBA superstars over the last couple of years is that they're okay playing anywhere and bouncing around because there's this mutual understanding now where GMs don't have any sort of loyalty towards the players and now the players are showing that, yeah, there is no loyalty in sports, so we're not going to be loyal to a team. And if uh, I can play with a friend for a couple years in another city, I will gladly do that because <laughs> we all hang out in the same places in the summer anyway and we can see each other in the summer. And um, a lot of people are just picking where uh, their friends are and where they're happy and where they can build their brand and all this other stuff. So it's like this idea of anyone being shocked at any superstar not staying with this team, even if it's a great basketball situation, is kind of baffling to me because it, for it to shock anyone that for Kyrie Irving, especially to just leave next summer, I, I just don't really understand that line of thinking because if we've learned anything over the last couple of years, it's just that these guys are going to continue to move around and bounce around and just explore new horizons and uh, just try to have fun and enjoy their NBA careers because they know that these teams will trade you no matter what they say in the summer a free agent process just look at Blake Griffin right now and how upset he was and what they did and you're gonna be the greatest clipper ever and then a couple months later you get traded like it's just there's no reason to believe that any of these guys are gonna stay around or gonna be loyal to their franchise and nor should they like the idea that oh well it's a great basketball situation maybe you want a title in Boston but like, uh, but they could also trade him if he gets one more knee injury what if Danny Ainge is like you know what we're not gonna give him a long-term deal because we're just that's what too many injuries and we're just not going to lock him up long term and everything else. So no, but I mean, the thing is the the thing is though, like what superstar have you seen leave a good situation? Like, it's like these guys don't show loyalty and they shouldn't, like you said, but it's like, you know, Jimmy Butler left a situation in Chicago 
where he wasn't going to, you know, ever be, well, I mean, he got traded, but, you know, he wanted out of a situation in Chicago where he wasn't ever going to be a contender, you know, uh, you know, these guys who, who like force trades, I mean, Kyrie's situation was probably as close to that as we've come, but I mean, even there, he wasn't happy, you know, being sort of the number two to LeBron and, and all of the things that kind of went on with that. I mean, he has, so you're, you're right that like guys, you know, kind of want to play with their friends, but I feel like a lot of the time, you know, they have, I feel like a lot of the time guys want to play with their friends as their careers start to start, start to age a little bit. Um, and I mean, beyond that though, like Kyrie is in a good situation and it's just, it would be shocking because he would be leaving a good situation for what will almost certainly not be a better situation. Like there is there, like say what you want. Like, I mean, unless he goes to the Warriors, there are like basically no situations in the NBA right now that are cushier than the Celtics. You have a deep team. You can play 30 minutes a night and still win a whole bunch of games. You're in the Eastern Conference, so like you have a, a great shot at going to the finals. I mean, he has, and, and I mean, they as long as he stays relatively healthy, they will pay him. So like he has literally everything that he could want, and I mean that's why it would be surprising is because the guys who you know quote don't show loyalty are guys who are shown not showing loyalty to like bad franchises or to franchises that have angered them in some way or to situations that don't really make sense for them anymore and none of those things are true for Kyrie because again he can be the number one guy on this team you know you can question whether he's the best player or not but he's you know he's sort of the number one guy no matter whether he's the best player or not because the best player might be Al Horford the best player might be Gordon Hayward guys who are sort of secondary guys anyway and then, you know, the other stuff, it's he he could he could win a championship there. So like it's a great situation. So it would be surprising, you know, you, you could definitely make the case that it would it would not be surprising because he's Kyrie and he's a strange guy and his priorities might just be a little bit different than other guys. And and if that's the case, you know, that's the you know, I, I mean, you know, he's just he's just Kyrie. Like that makes a lot of sense. But I just don't think I just think it would be shocking because he's in such a good situation right now. Do you think he's at all miffed that Jason Tatum is now kind of the new face of the franchise and that like everybody's talking about him all the time and what he's going to be in his playoff breakout and everything stepping up with Gordon Hayward going down like he left LeBron to get his own team and then Jason Tatum turns into uh, a better version of Paul Pierce in his rookie year like do you think that's at all uh, going to affect his decision next summer or no? No, I don't think so. I mean, okay. th- so the thing about Tatum is that like like everybody freaked out about him because he had an unbelievable playoffs, but like the Kyrie is still the number one guy. And I think if you ask like the vast majority of Celtics, you know, fans, you know, or whatever, whoever Kyrie is trying to please, I think if you asked everybody in the Celtics front office, they would say similar things. Kyrie is still the number one. Like Tatum is pro is like the number one sort of future priority. Um, and he's, you know, one of the most untradeable players in the NBA at this point, but like, Kyrie is still the number one guy in Boston, and that's going to be the case for at least a couple of more years. Or one more year, because he could leave and play with Jimmy Butler Certainly. on the Clippers next summer. If I mean, if he wants to downgrade his situation so that he can play with uh, Jimmy is that Butler. A downgrade? Come on, Are we man. sure that would be a downgrade? Yes. Okay. Go, uh, come come sure. on, man. Gordon Hayward, a healthy Jimmy Gordon a Hayward. Top 10 player when healthy. Like, I don't think that's much of a Chase, downgrade. Yes. This is... Man, this is as bad as your Washington take. No, Wait, why is this bad? What is wrong with the Jimmy Butler? And like they have a cleared. So I don't know if you looked at the cap sheet for the Los Angeles Clippers next summer. It is barren. 
everybody's on one uh one year deals basically and a couple guys have player options like Avery Bradley and guys like that but they can remake their team and like Kyrie and Jimmy Butler if they're actually pretty close and they want to build their own team they can they can facilitate a pretty good roster and if you put two top 10 guys when healthy um on the Clippers with Jerry West and this new group and a good coach and Doc Rivers I, hey I think that's a easily like a uh, a very good top three top four team in the west especially if they can land one more guy along with those two top three or top four team in the west or he could just like stay on the team that's like they're fine i mean barring... they're not getting out of the east this year so we don't really have to worry about any of this anyway <laughs> sure thing man are you a toronto believer uh i'm a toronto and milwaukee believer i'm not a milwaukee is... believer at all milwaukee not beating the celtics uh, there's... They almost beat him without a head coach, so... and also without Gordon Hayward or Irving. That's that's fair, but now they have Mike Budenholzer, and I mean, I think this is a team. And honestly, um, if I was Kyrie, uh, would you want to go with the success that he had with LeBron? What about a couple of years with Giannis in his prime? Would you? But then you're getting right back into the situation where you're the second best player on the team, right? But you might win a title, like Kyrie and Giannis with Mike Budenholzer. <laughs> Mm, I don't think he can be he can win a title in Boston and I don't be, think so I don't think the timeline's ever going to match up the right way I, I don't think there's a chance the Celtics win a I title think there's a, I think there's a reasonable chance they win the title this year oh no I oh do. no I will say I tweeted about this tonight actually um I don't know if this has been talked about enough but the last time a team went to five straight NBA finals it was the uh Boston Celtics in the mid 60s when there were nine teams in the NBA uh, the Lakers went four times, several times. The Bulls went three straight. Um, there are a lot of teams that have done the four straight. No one's done the five straight. And I think we're kind of underselling the fact that this is uncharted territory. And I guess the Bulls would have done it if uh, MJ didn't leave in the mid-90s. But at the same time, this is just, it's kind of weird that we're here. I mean, the yeah. Cavs went to four, the Heat, obviously. And um, there's something about doing half a decade of this that uh there are no guarantees but there have also never been teams that have four top 10 players and then throwing in a top 20 player when healthy into the fold it kind of changes things so obviously they're doubling down on this and like and i'm sure that they know that this is um crazy territory for them but uh it's just this is a a new thing this is a really hard thing to do in a 30 team league and uh i don't know i mean I still have the Warriors, but it's just something I've been thinking about. And like, I just don't have the Celtics on my radar like that. I think if I had to pick a team to come out of the East this year, it's the Raptors for sure. But um, I don't know. I'm just not buying the Celtics stuff. I, I can't get over it. I like. I'm. I'm yet to hear a reason why, though. I mean, like, I I'm not even. Leonard, I just, so I think Nick Nurse is going to be a really good coach for them. I think their offense okay. is going to be much. We improved. know we know Brad Stevens is a top three coach in the NBA right now. We don't know what Nick Nurse is going to be. That's fair. I think ultimately this is still going to be a good defensive team. I, like, if I just predict where this team finishes in offensive and defensive efficiency this year, it's top ten both. Um, I think having Danny Green next to. Kyle Lowry for a full year is good. I think you're going to see growth from Pascal Siakam. I think you're going to see growth from Fred Van Vliet. I think you're going to see growth from Dylan Wright. I think Jonas Valanciunas, who is a big Nick Nurse guy, is going to have a good year um, at the five. Uh, I mean, they stole away Greg Monroe from Boston, which <laughs> cannot be understated. And uh, Yeah, I mean, it cannot be understated how much better Boston. I, <laughs> I love OG Ananobi, but we talk about the depth in Boston all the time, but and they do have depth, but you know who else also has depth? 
is Toronto. They've done a great job getting all these guys and Norman Powell just fell out of the rotation, even though he was so good two years ago. And um, it's just a next man up thing. And they develop talent just as well as Boston does. And if Kawhi um, works out, like that team is just scary. Like if they close with OG, who is basically Kawhi light and does a lot of the same stuff. He, he shoot, he's a great corner three shooter. He is a guy that they were asking to dribble a lot in summer league. He was doing a lot of point forward stuff. Um, we already know he's a capable defender. And if they close with like Siakam, OG Ananobi, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, and Kyle Lowry, I mean, that's it's a very fun, interesting closing five against the Celtics closing five because uh, I just think it would match up really well. Very switchy. And it would, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I like to see Tatum and Kawhi go at it in the finals. But, um, and then I also just think Giannis is winning MVP this year. Uh, go ahead and book that one. Done deal. Done deal. It is. <laughs> September 13th. Go ahead and lock it in. Giannis Antetokounmpo with Mike Budenholzer in this group with no LeBron in the East. Um, it's it's going to be Giannis. Like he's going to average like 30, 10, and 12 or something like that. It's going to be outrageous what he's going to average this year in Budenholzer's system. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm a believer in Giannis and I think he's going to be the best player in the East this year. And if that's the case, then that makes Milwaukee's scary just because Giannis takes another leap and then uh Kawhi if he's healthy and he's good and he got his guy from San Antonio his lifelong friend is on the staff now he's getting comfortable um I don't know and maybe Toronto's not done maybe they add one more guy who knows they have options so they do no I mean I you know I I I think Toronto's really really good I, I agree with you that they are um you know the the other top team in the east um, certainly. I mean, there's some of those defensive lineups they can throw out there are just obscene. Um, and they're, they are deep. I do think, um, you can't really say that their depth is like underrated because I feel like that's all anybody talked about last year. It was just like, Oh, their second unit, their second unit, their second unit. Well, I'm not saying um, underrated in the context of the whole NBA underrated in context with the Boston Celtics, because we, I just, I feel like everybody praises Boston's depth and I I don't know. I just feel like if you're going to mention Boston's depth over and over again, you should also mention the other team that finished number one in the East and their depth. Sure. No, I I agree with that. I, um, I just think like, you know, you mentioned the closing lineup for, um, Toronto and it's good. It's really good. I mean, especially in, in, I mean, I think the other thing is that Kawhi, like being happy, healthy, whatever, that is still a, a fairly major if they like the man did not play last year. Like he played like nine games last year. Like that's, you know, that, that, that's a pretty major if, but I mean the Celtics closing lineup has, you know, Kyrie, Jalen Tatum, uh, Horford Hayward. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's literally five guys who could contend for like a, like an all-star spot, you know, like potentially. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what three more guys than the Raptors have that will contend for an all-star spot. You know I mean? That's, I know that's simplified, but it's like, I mean, the Celtics are a little bit overwhelming um, to me, but and, and and that's not even. I think that the Raptors could definitely challenge them, and by challenge them, I don't just mean like oh they'll push them a little bit. Like I think the Raptors could beat them. I just think it's like, um, I, mean, I, I just think it's it's a bit of a stretch. Well. It's a uh, yeah, they they played them pretty well. The Celtics beat them one time with like nobody in the lineup. They had I think mm-hmm. like four of their five starters injured, and that that was. A weird game and then i know the raptors you know beat them you know pretty handily another game last year but yeah anyway uh that was my celtics detour that i made you go down no it's it's good man you're <laughs> you're the guy in boston now you're mr boston celtics reporter 
Like you are the guy for Mass Live. So there's like 400 Celtics, Celtics reporters. But yes, I am one of the guys in Boston. <laughs> well, I don't acknowledge any of the other ones. It's only it's a Tom Westerholm friendly show. So all it's, right. it's res- Tom Westerholm all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I did mention Kevin Love in the opening statements here. This is very serious. I'm back to my NPR stuff in the opening <laughs> statements that he was on The Daily Show and Trevor Noah asked him about taking over this team and Kevin Love gave the the nice answer of like, well, you know, I'm excited. It's a new chapter. And this is like one of those things we see in sports a lot, and especially in basketball cities where the best player leaves and then the remaining guys from this super team. Like, remember Chris Bosh a couple years ago once LeBron left and it was just him and Dwayne and they were all like, yeah, we're excited. Yeah, we lost the best player on the planet, but you know what? It's a new chapter and things are... And it wasn't fun. And they really struggled. And like competing is really hard when you don't have the best player in the world and it just sucks. And there is significantly less talent on this team than there were in Miami because uh, Miami's still like Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. And uh, Kevin Love's still a great player. And we're going back to like this idea that, oh, Minnesota Timberwolves, Kevin Love might return and this, that, and the other. And it's like, I mean, this is all like, can we play the game so we can get to the point where they're 20 and 52? Can we get there now? <laughs> because I'm already over this. Well, the Cavs might sneak into the seven or eight seed. Kevin Love is taking a leadership role. He, re- They re-signed him to a really nice deal. It's good that they did that because they can still trade him. And as we saw in the Ryan Anderson trade with uh, the Phoenix Suns, every contract is tradable. So can we please stop, stop saying that this is an untradable contract because there is always a taker for every contract in today's NBA. You can find a taker. There is always somebody available. There's no contract so onerous that no team is going to do it. I'm not saying it's it's a uh, like it's just it's going to happen. Some yeah. team will do it if you really want to do it. There is a way to do it. it. May take a while, but you can find a taker, and the right kind of deal will present itself at some point. And Kevin Love is probably not going to be a Cav in two years. Uh, Rodney Hood just took the qualifying offer and apparently he wanted a three-year $27 million deal. And after the year he had in Utah and Cleveland, um, shout out to him for trying to shoot, lock himself Shoot your it. shot, man. Yeah. Uh, J.R. Smith is still on this team. and uh, Speaking of shoot your shot. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't see him doing well on a bad team. So that's probably not going to last very long. Colin Sexton is interesting, but like, where does this leave him and George Hill and how they're going to allocate those guys? And Tristan Thompson still has two years left in the deal and he feels like someone you should move. And um, I mean, I like David Nwaba a lot. So that was a good signing for them, especially because they need guys like him on the perimeter and their defense was terrible. And he's going to help in that regard. Good cutter, that kind of thing. I like him a lot. Like he's a good rotation guy, but this is a team that's going to win like 20 games. And now this in like this intrigue around them is baffling to me because um i just i think this is gonna be an awful team i think the chetty osmond stuff is hilarious i think this group is kyle corver should already be in philadelphia to return and finish out his career where it all began without iverson in the early 2000s like go back up jj reddick sent philadelphia needs more shooters their bench has been destroyed no marco bellinelli no Ursan Ilyasova anymore. There's a guy named Jonah Bolden on this team now who came <laughs> overseas, and that's cool or whatever. Furkan, if you want to believe in him, that's nice. Um, but yeah, just send him to Philadelphia. It's just this team's going to be awful. What are we doing? Why do we care if there's a leadership role that Kevin Love is taking? I just, I, I'm just, it's one of those off season stories where you're like, oh my god, can we get to the point where he gets traded to like Portland? Can we get there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, the thing is, like, Kevin Love's good. 
Like he's a, he's a very good right. player. Um, but this roster sucks. It's, and it's really bad. I think a lot of it. All right, so let's let, let me let me do this like thought exercise here real quick. Like if you go down, so last year's Eastern Conference standings: um, Toronto, Boston, Philly, Indiana, um, Milwaukee, Miami, Washington. Those teams will all be better than Cleveland, and that yes. is seven of the eight teams. So. Right now, like, you know, the people who are like Cleveland is, uh, you know, a potential playoff team. So that's seven of the eight teams. So Cleveland has to be better than literally every other team in the East, um, you know, for that to be the case. So then you start going like, okay, Detroit, Detroit's got some pieces. And I mean, you know, Blake Griffin obviously fell off a bit, but like there's like a guy who just won coach of the year. They have a guy who they're going to, they're going to be a better defensive team. They're going to, they have a bunch of vets. They literally like, they're still not going to play many young guys. Like they're going to be better. Yeah. They're going to try to. Yeah, exactly. Um, Charlotte, I mean, (laughs) top 15 in offensive rating and defensive rating a year ago, they were very unlucky in close games. They're a team like James Brago seems like an upgrade over Steve Clifford. Like Kimba's still there. Unless they trade Kimba, they're a better team. Yep. Uh, the Knicks are no, yeah. This no, is where it gets murky. Yeah, they fall this in is the Knicks category. The Magic, the Nets, they're somewhere yeah, around there. The, the, Bulls, the Bulls, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I there's probably a few teams in there that they'll be better than. I, I think that 20 wins is probably low. I mean, 20 wins is is what the literal worst team in the league gets. I don't think Cleveland is the if worst Kevin team Love in the league. Hurt, what? Let's say Kevin Love misses 25 games. Are they the worst team in the East? <sighs> Well, that's tough because I think there's going to the be Hawks teams. are going to be just so yeah. bad. That it's, um, especially <laughs> if they trade Bazemore in January to the Rockets, that seems inevitable. Like, Rem- do you remember like a podcast like months and months, maybe maybe a year or more ago, when I said the Hawks should blow it up, and then I was like talking about how much fun Zion Williamson would be on that on that team mm-hmm. because they literally might get Zion Williamson now, which would be really no, fun. They'll trade down for like um, who I don't even know. Who is in this? Oh I, no, I, no, 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 no! Because they they traded down. I mean, I I mean, my impression is they traded down in part because like Trey Young and Trey Young was this like splashy name, this like perfect like splashy name. Zion Williamson is the splashy name in this year's draft. If you want to sell some tickets, Zion Williamson will sell you some tickets. Well, let me stop you right there, Tom, because um, no one's selling any tickets for the Atlanta Hawks because that's not how this works. Like, I even bet if they have a superstar. No, like. It, you have to live in Atlanta to know like how this all works, but mm-hmm. it's just it's really hard to get there during the week. There's parking's terrible. It's it the different. It is next to um, where Atlanta United and the Falcons play. Like it's literally right next door. But it's one of those things where that's a once a week thing, and it's a big deal. And you tailgate in the morning. Yeah, get there, you hang out, all that kind of stuff. And then when Atlanta United's playing on like a Saturday, people are in the gulch and they're hanging out, and there's ways to get around no one it's there's no appointment viewing for the hawks and they play so many weeknight games no one's sitting through atlanta traffic to go watch the hawks no matter who's there unless it's lebron james like and it used to be kobe bryant and it's just it's not happening and i guess carmelo anthony is also in there but like no zion williamson or trey young is not doing it. the only i even when the hawks were winning 60 games that arena was still they were i want to say they were still bottom five in attendance all right, so count, uh, I hear you, um, and obviously you know Atlanta better than I do. Counterpoint: Zion Williamson is like a completely he's completely different than like because than a lot of guys. Like I'm not talking about him as like a super duper star who's going to take over the league. Yeah. He is he's like a viral star. Like since okay. he was a junior in high school, he had a million Instagram followers. Like so, is this like Andrew Wiggins 2.0? 
kind kind of, but like it's it's different because it's like an entire generation of kids who grew up like with YouTube auto playing the next video and them just like watching that and seeing Zion Williamson. It's like he he's kind of a he's kind of like a ball brother, except if like the ball brothers were actually like, you know, good. Like he he's like he so it's like this this viral sensation that like kids get, like get really into and it's not so much about sports like i i saw him in person a couple of times and it wasn't it wasn't about like the game it was only kind of about the highlights it was about just like you know the viral like being able to have your phone out and like you know get it on snapchat and say i was there like He's he's like a different kind of star where it's only kind of about sports, which is why I kind of think that no matter where he goes, he will draw a following because the Internet is everywhere. So like kids everywhere have been seeing this guy forever. So that's that, that, not going to happen in Atlanta. I will go ahead and tell you no matter what. I really hope he goes to Orlando. Atlanta. No, I really Orlando. I really, really hope he goes to Atlanta just so we can just so we can like find out for sure now because I'm really curious. Like, Dude, I will fly now. you down here. And we can go to the opening night game, and I'll I can just show come you when the Celtics are there. Like, there you, go. That's you don't right. have to pay you for ex- anything, Chase. That's right. So when the Celtics, well, I guess, yeah, no, I'm trying to think if I've been there when the Celtics have been in town. I don't think the Celtics games do very well. It's, I don't think there's a big Celtics contingent mm. um, in Atlanta, but there is a huge Lakers and Knicks and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I just I don't think so. And he's not even going to be the best player on his own team this year, right? Isn't it the hype all about R.J. Barrett? So I think R.J. Barrett is better than him, um, but he could be. I mean, it's either going to be one of those two or Cam Reddish. Like they, they literally got one, two, and three. So it's like he might, he might not be. You know, who knows? It's going to be really hard to tell. Okay. Um. Well, Zion Williamson. Okay. Yeah. Just keep doing. I mean, I don't know how he fits in the Golden State East narrative. Is he like the Demarcus Cousins signing? Yeah. The continued the Golden State path. That's their. If he, uh, <laughs> that's if he their ends up splash. with the, if he ends up with the Celtics. No, the Hawks. Where they're like, oh, we got oh, Kevin oh, Huerta, right, right, right. we got Amari Spellman, who's the Draymond. Now the right. last piece, the last piece is uh, Zion Williamson, and we have the I young guess he's, Warriors. No, he's Draymond because oh, he's Draymond because he's a rebounder and a shot blocker at like six foot six who can take mm. the ball up the floor himself, and he's underrated as both a ball handler and a passer. Okay, you heard it here first, Tom Wester, uh-huh. guaranteeing Zion Williamson, Draymond Green, two point better, better than Draymond Green because he's oh. way more athletic, guaranteeing. Um, Okay. Wow. Don't at me. <laughs> Better than Draymond. Better than one of the 10 best players of the last five years. Okay. <laughs> that's it's uh, a strong take, Tom. And I was not expecting a, this guy is going to be better than Draymond Green take to record tonight. But um, yeah, I guess, do you have any other thoughts on the Cavs? Because we kind of strayed away from that for <laughs> a second. But I just, I, I'm not going to lie. I love Cavs Twitter. Uh, shout out to all those yes. guys. Um, David, uh, Justin, and all those guys, Carter. But I just... This team's going to be awful, and just this—I don't want to say hype, but this optimism surrounding the Kevin Love post-LeBron era is just—it's kind of depressing for me because it's just like we know how this ends. This is going to get bad. Tyron Lue is going to leave, and this is just going to go a different way. He's going to be like the next coach of the Timberwolves when Kevin Garnett gets the gets control from Glenn Taylor um, after the Tom Thibodeau era ends in Minnesota, and he rejoins the front office or uh, ownership and uh, hires his good friend, or maybe Sam Cassell is the next coach of the Timberwolves. Who knows? But um, yeah, I just, this is not ending well. This team's going to be awful and they have to move a bunch of guys. And I, I still can't believe JR is still on this team. Like JR with no superstar around him at this point in his career. Oh my God. 
Yeah. No, and I mean, like I, I don't Clarkson's even. still on this team. I, I, I read a story today about extending Larry Nance. Yeah. What, what are we doing? <laughs> I don't even. I don't even totally know how much I like Colin Sexton. I mean, the the rookie. Like he's best case. He's John Wall. Oh, he's not going to be John Wall. There's so then, no way. Yeah. He's, yeah. I mean, if you look at the late, I mean, I feel bad for him in some ways because this is like a team. I mean, we, so we, it, it kind of reminds me of the Dejounte Murray argument in the West where it's like, he's with pop. So you give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's like, if this dude does not learn how to shoot, like, I don't know where he fits and if he can be one of your five, right? just because he's such a non-factor there, but he's such a good defender that you're like, if this dude could shoot threes, he'd be really, really good. Cause he's gigantic and he can rebound and all this other stuff. And Colin Sexton is just a, crazy outrageous competitor and um you know he's gonna bust his ass for 48 minutes and everything else and he can get to the rim like he's really good at that but um if he can't shoot i mean i guess Cavs fans are hoping he'd be westbrook but i guess i mean he so he shot kind of in high school like he could shoot a little bit um i I don't i don't know that i would totally trust like i i don't totally trust college stuff at all um like as far as shooting goes i think a lot of guys like progress as shooters um so that i mean that's plausible he's going to be an interesting case because he's like you know you could say that like his mentality makes him kind of westbrookian in that way obviously he's not the kind of the freak athlete that, that westbrook is but he's like there's there's a lot of things to like about him and, and obviously you have to love how competitive he is but um I, I just don't think that like when when competitiveness is like the absolute number one thing that you have, like I, I don't know how much because like John Wall, you know, that comparison, it's like, OK, if 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 John Wall was like a, like a super, super Colin Sexton t- type competitor, he would also have his speed and he would also have his passing. And those would be the things that make him the superstar and the, the super competitive stuff would be like a really nice benefit. You know what I mean? So like if the if the benefit is like the actual best thing that you bring, I don't totally know how much I buy in. And, and I could be totally proven wrong. Um, you know, maybe Colin Sexton uh, like, you know, becomes like a, a really stellar guard. Maybe he just works his butt off the way, you know, Jimmy Butler did. And he just kind of turns himself into, you know, turns himself into a star just by pure force of will. And if he does that, like I will happily go back on this. But um, I just don't I, I don't totally see it with him right now and just like his skill set. And that's really depressing because, you know, when when a team blows it up, I mean, you know, f- for the Cavs, they they actually had a lottery pick the year that they blew it up. Like that's rare. Like usually a team has to have one terrible season, you know, after the superstar leaves before they can even have some hope. And the Cavs kind of had a chance. And then Brooklyn was just a little bit too good. And, you know, apparent like, you know, they're, you know, Sexton was kind of the guy who, who was available. So I get why they did it, but I don't know. I, I agree with you that it's a depressing situation. That's for sure. Speaking of depressing situations, have you looked at the Phoenix suns backcourt uh, for opening night? <laughs> uh yeah yeah no it's it's not ideal um so Devin Booker broke his hand and there's still a lot of speculation as to how that happened and what this is going to do for this season but um oddly enough my first thought was like oh this could be good for Josh Jackson because (laughs) I want to see him dribble more and down the stretch like Jay Triano just let him freestyle for the Suns a lot on league pass and he was doing a bunch of spin moves and everything else. And I'm uh, very high on Josh Jackson still. And I think he showed a lot down the stretch and I still think he can be Jimmy Butler 2.0, but like, and obviously if you're learning anything from this podcast, it's that I'm a gigantic Jimmy Butler guy, but uh, 
yeah, I just think I, this could be good in that department because um, Devin Booker seemed like he was gearing up for like a James Harden situation where he becomes the lead ball handler, lead pick and roll guy because they literally don't have a point guard to play next to him with Brandon yep. gone and um, them not trading for anybody. They're just like, well, um, let's try and get Damian Lillard or Kimba Walker right now. Oh, we didn't get them or Terry Rozier. Well, I guess that we're out of options. It's like, well, I mean, <laughs> you could still do something else. You can still go get Tia Dosage. The The Clippers have four point guards on their roster right now. They can't play them all. There's other avenues besides just swinging big. But, um, yeah, I, it's really bizarre that Ryan McDonough has not traded for someone yet. And the Devin Booker thing does not help. It, does, it also doesn't help because they just drafted a big guy, number one overall, who needs competent ball handlers to get him the ball and yeah. get him lobs and put him in a position to succeed and uh yeah it's just it's not great not a great situation but because i'm just consumed by josh jackson's development i'm just like oh this could be good for him yeah i mean so the, the, i mean the sad thing for Aiden is going to be that everybody spent the entire summer league being like well yeah but wait till he gets a point guard and then <laughs> he's on this roster <laughs> yeah. um no so I, i'm curious because so uh, there's been a lot of comparisons between like Josh Jackson and, and uh, Jason Tatum, obviously, because of all the stuff that went on during the draft with those two. I'm, I think Jackson and Jalen Brown is a little bit more interesting um, just because Jalen Brown basically played the two for the Celtics a lot last year, and he's going to play it a lot for them this year. And I think, you know, Jackson's listed as a small forward in a lot of places, but him at the two is really pretty interesting because, like you said, like he can handle the ball. You know, he can do just a lot, a lot of different things with the ball in his hands. You know, he, he's a, a good lob passer. Like he's a good handler. He's a good, you know, just passer in the pick and roll a lot of the time, especially for his position. So if you put him at the two and then you've just got this super versatile guy who, I mean, you know, he, he can potentially down the road guard two through four a little bit. Um, yeah, I think that's really intriguing. And he's 6'10. People don't realize Josh Jackson's huge. Josh Jackson is not 6'10. He's, yes, might he, be, he might be 6'10 with his hair. Dude, he's 6'10. Oh, and he cut his hair. He's definitely not 6'10. All right, let me see. Unless this is wrong. He's 6'8 on ESPN, but like, let me look up his. Uh, he's His wingspan is 6'10. Okay. That I believe. Yeah. Okay. Either way. Great size for he is like he, it's good size. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, and I think he's it, not. He was not going to start if Devin Booker was starting opening night, and now he gets to start with Trevor Ariza, Ryan Anderson, and DeAndre Ayton. And the point guard right now listed as a starter, Isaiah Cannon. Sure. <laughs> sure. How many teams has he been on in like the last five years? Let's get Cameron Payne in the mix. Who else can we Isaiah get? Cannon's uh, Marriott points must just be obscenely high. He's got to <laughs> have DJ crazy. Augustine doing. Oh, he's starting for the Orlando Magic in 2018. That's happening. Can I can I do an obnoxious thing? You had a Celtics writer on your uh, podcast, so I'm going to do something obnoxious. If you were the Suns, what would you offer for Terry Rozier? Uh, well, we know that it's going to get awkward. See, the thing with I would approach Danny Ainge with, and if I'm every other rival, let's DM, let's let's set Danny Ainge aside because, like, Dan, okay. obviously, like Danny, Danny does love Terry. Like, he he really does. I don't think that means that Terry's untradeable or that he's going to be unreasonable about it because, like, as we've kind of seen, like, you know, the stuff that happened with uh, Serge Ibaka, like Serge wouldn't have been a great fit on the Celtics team anyway. But like, let's set let's set Danny aside for a second here and just say, like, if you were just being, yeah, like a reasonable GM to a reasonable GM, like, what would you offer for Terry Rozier? dragon bender would be the primary guy okay see that's tough right because like the celtics aren't going to make that deal 
Yeah, I guess it's just more because Horford's their oldest guy, and maybe you could talk yourself into flipping Rozier for someone like Bender who could theoretically still develop. Because he's still super young. I want to say he was still like the youngest guy in that draft. Well, sure, uh, yeah. A couple no, years he's ago. there. So he's, yeah, so he is, let's see. Yeah, he's still 20. Like, I guess that's one of the ones where it's like, hey, you know what, That uh, we could take a shot on him and we can have Horford develop him and all that kind of stuff. So maybe that's the primary guy. I guess Mikael Bridges would also be on the table maybe. Um, well, see, I think if Mikael Bridges was on the table, the Celtics would really have to think about it because, I mean, that's that, that guy's a lottery talent and he's like a, you know, a floor spacer, all that kind of thing. I don't think Bender would do it because the Celtics have – I mean, I think the Celtics would want to at least see what they have in Robert Williams before they – Tried to move on to like another like switchable what type if he did big. Warren and Bender. No, I don't. I, I think that Bridges and Bridges and Bender would be more intriguing. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was just. I, just, I was I just curious. That's a lot to give up to, for Terry Rozier. I'm just not a big Terry Rozier guy. I don't think you're a big Celtics players guy. No, I love Tatum. <laughs> um, I love Kyrie. Yeah. yeah. They're, Hayward's they're, fine. They're, they're very good. Hey, Hayward's fine. He's okay. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with Hayward in Boston this year. I mean, he's fine. I think we're getting a little crazy with how much t- J- uh, Gordon Hayward is going to affect them, but yeah, he's fine. I I don't want to give the idea that I'm like anti-Boston. I just, I think we're... I, Not I anti-Boston, wanna... just like I think you're lower than you probably should be on like the players not that you're like oh, this i hate is my Boston. podcast tom and you should not be telling me who i should be higher on who i should be lower on it's late but no i i can be as low on the boston celtics as i want extremely fair <laughs> i don't know i just I, I guess i am kind of developing some sort of not hostility but um I don't know. I just, I don't, I'm not a believer. I guess that's where I'm getting at. I believe in everything they've done is smart. I, I love the roster. That's fine. I just, I think some of their guys are just a little, a little overvalued. And Terrorist here is one of them. Marcus Smart. That's fair. I think he'll be a bad player on most teams in the NBA. Like if you put him on a bunch of different teams, I think he's a disaster. That's fair, but he's a good player on the Celtics. I right. Would count. I think that's the thing. Yeah. Like a lot of these yep. guys, it's just like Brad Stevens incubator. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> messing i think that's how we yeah. view certain guys and i just jalen brown i think would have been a bust and like 27 other teams um i don't think that's true i think jalen's jalen's a super hard worker okay i think tatum is like the only one where it's like oh this dude like just watching the sixers and they're uh closing two minutes like oh my god imagine if they had tatum instead of markel fultz closing games with him and joel Embiid and uh ben simmons like that's he would have been the final piece, and then I probably would be talking about Philadelphia winning the East for the next five years. But yeah, I uh, yeah. Markel Fultz, yeah, maybe one hundred percent. Yeah, I don't want to revisit the Markel Fultz versus Jason Tatum debate, but um, yeah, I don't know. Terry is <laughs> fine. I just think it's no, yeah, that sorry, I sidetracked this completely. Well, like I just in today's NBA, I just are we still sure he can run a. <sighs> A top fifteen offense? Can he do that by himself for thirty six minutes? Are we sure he's just not Reggie Jackson on most teams? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, he he played really really well in the playoffs. Um, I think that matters. Um, he his skill set lends itself well, you know, in terms of like he can shoot. He doesn't really turn the ball over. Um, you know, not he, a playmaker though. 
not like an not like an obscene playmaker, but he can. You know, it, it kind of depends on your team. And saying, you know, maybe it depends on whether or not you have Brad Stevens. Yeah, I don't know. I would be curious to see how he would do on Phoenix. Um, you know, where he's a starter because he really he feel you can tell he feels more comfortable starting. But like Devin Booker is like the main ball handler and the main scorer, and then Terry can kind of like play off him because Terry did a really good job playing off Tatum. Um, so maybe you know having that guy who attracts the real defenders and then you know Terry's able to kind of feast on the other guys you know maybe maybe that, that helps sense. but i think logically like the right guy next to him booker is a 3 and d guy like guy who's comfortable playing off ball and playing second fiddle because i do think the money is in devin booker being the primary pick and ball pick and ball pick and roll player and pick and pop and that <laughs> kind of stuff especially with Aiton in the fold and uh, ryan anderson starting for this team there's going to be a lot of pick and pop with this group and uh I don't know. I think Devin Booker should be the James Harden type for this team, but like, I I don't know. I don't think you can have like an Eric Bledsoe type next to him. And uh, Terry Rozier definitely fits that bill, but I just probably would hang up the phone at what uh, Boston would want for somebody like Rozier. I I just I think they're overvaluing him. I really do. Maybe, maybe I I I, I don't think so. But I think that um, I I do think that um, it would be difficult to find a good trade with phoenix um you know especially because like why would you want to give up mccall bridges before you literally even see like what he can do um that kind of thing like i i think i i just i I don't know what to do if i'm if i'm phoenix because i don't really want to give up any of the pieces that i would have to get up to get a top flight point guard i mean there's there's so many point guards just generally coming into the nba like i don't want to give up a top flight option it, like to get one of those guys to to get like you know a, a decent point guard when I could just probably draft a decent point guard next year. Yeah, I don't know. I would call about John Wall if I was Phoenix. Interesting. I would call about John Wall. Like you would have to. Would what, so to what would you? Josh Jackson would have to go. But if you were to tell That's me tough. that Washington was pivoting to Jackson and Beal as their core and Otto Porter. I like it. I like that a little bit more. And they could uh, figure every... I, obviously, they would have a hole at the point guard spot, but um, I don't know. I think mixing it up a little bit like that would be fascinating. I uh, also just like the idea of John Wall and Devin Booker a lot more, and maybe that energizes him to go to Phoenix, where they already have a great history of point guard play. He can ha- do the Marbury thing, <laughs> second life, briefly. Yeah. Phoenix. Um I don't know. I just don't see that ending while in Washington and like maybe they can buy low on uh, somebody like John Wall and then you have a five. Like if you have a core for the next three to five years, because this team has missed the playoffs for a decade now. Like this is a team that's starting to get back in. And if you build around John Wall, Devin Booker, uh, Mikel Bridges, Ryan Anderson, and DeAndre Ayton for a season or two, and I mean, whoever you want to throw in there at that four spot, um, I think that's a playoff team in a couple of years. I think that gets him back. I think it might be. I mean, the the West is so brutal; it's hard to say for sure. But I mean, the, well, there. It, I guess my only, qu- I only, my I only question. Yeah. Sure, sure. My only question would just be like, do you want to give up Josh Jackson and like what you think Josh Jackson could be? Um, you know, for for what you know, John Wall is, which is certainly a star. Um, but you also know that in the West, you are like the eight seed, maybe the seventh seed. Like you're not you're not better than that for sure. In year um, one, but you have to you, you know we have to think about who DeAndre Ayton. Are they getting beyond that though? Be. Because I 
Devin Booker is an insanely talented scorer. I feel like he's probably always going to be a bad defender. And we yeah. don't know. I guess maybe maybe what I would want to see is is how Booker progresses this year and how Aiton progresses mm-hmm. this year. Um, because be if you can tell me that, like... I think that's a possibility, where they become like Jokic and Jamal Murray. Like, that is something that's a possibility yeah. for me. Sure. And if you could tell me that like those two, like if Devin Booker was on pace to have like a, you know, a five or six all star career or like DeAndre Aiden was on pace to have like a seven or eight all star career, you know, if you could tell me that, then sure, like I, I would I would understand the John Walsh trade and, and, you know, even just like improving the culture for those two guys. But if you can't tell me that, then I don't think I want to give up a piece like a young piece like Josh Jackson, who, you know, I don't know where he goes from here, but, you know. He's pretty good right now, and he has the potential to be quite good. I don't know if I want to give that up for a guy like Wall, who is who's on a massive deal, and you know who really only moves the needle for you a little bit if Booker and Aiton aren't future stars. So maybe like a trade deadline deal type of thing, like I might be willing to consider, but I don't think I would be willing to do a deal like that before then, and I would need to see certain things before that for sure. I know the deal, actually. I've actually figured it out. Okay. It's Spencer okay. Dinwiddie. I like him. Uh, He's someone that would I don't not hate that. The spotlight. He, you could get him for... Oh, this is going to piss off so many Boston fans. Are we sure he's not better or just as good as Terry Rozier? No, I think... Okay. I mean, they're both... They're both I think they're both good point guards who could like start on the... You know, who, who, I think they're both probably somewhere in the range of like 18 to 22 in like best point guards in the NBA. Okay. Yeah, 18 to I 22. I think, I think that's, yeah. Didn't I would say, so really I, I would say they're both kind of in that he's tier. Smart. And he does, he, yes, he would bring he's in, good. He would be a different kind of player next to Booker where like he is a mid-range guy. He's really crafty. He's really, he's long, good defender, that kind of stuff where it's like, you just have to find the right personality type that would be okay with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton firing up all the shots and Josh Jackson's development and everything else. And I think Dinwiddie has that personality. I think Terry Rozier still might see himself as a star or a star in the making. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, definitely the mentality for sure. I think, I think that comparing those two is pretty good. Actually. I think they're both right around the and same range. Yeah, no, Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie would be good. You definitely could. And it would it would benefit both teams for him to move on to for him to have like better teammates and for just to just to remove that, you know, talent from a team that will be looking to, you know, drop off. I don't hate that at all. And I think Brooklyn would it'd be doing him a solid because it would give him a chance to run his own team and uh, maybe a more talented team in uh, Phoenix. And, you know, I don't know. I think it's fine, especially with D'Angelo Russell there. You still have to play that out and see what happens there. Right, exactly. They're still tied to him for the next couple years. I mean, they just let Lynn go back, go to Atlanta, which is still amazing to me that Jeremy Lynn is an Atlanta Hawk right mm-hmm. now. That is, a, that is a thing that has happened. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think Phoenix has to do something though, right? Like if we had to, like if you had to guesstimate whether or not they have a, a different starting point guard, uh, than Isaiah Cannon on opening night, what would you say? On opening night, I wouldn't be surprised if it is Isaiah Cannon. Oh, I mean, God. well, because what are you going to do in the? I mean, you don't want to like rush a deal. Well, I, I, okay, so if you're George Hill, if you're smart, I guess if you're smart though, I don't I don't rush a deal because teams know that you're in trouble from a point guard perspective, so you're not getting anything good. So I mean, losses this year don't hurt you. 
Like losses are fine. If you get, and obviously, like you know, it depends on what the ownership group wants and 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 you know the playoffs. But like realistically, you're not going anywhere. You're not you're not even sniffing the playoffs. And getting one more bite at that lottery apple wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So I would just like let it play out a little bit if I if I was them. So I would. I don't think it's like completely unreasonable to think that they might have somebody who is nowhere close to a starting point guard quality player starting on opening night. I would. I would. In fact, and, and in fact, I would do that because I don't want to be rushed. Let's just get Shane Larkin over there. Man, Sh- Shane Larkin was fun. I don't know. Like, I like Shane Larkin. You know. I don't know why he can't stick as a backup point guard. He he's was good. he legit helps the Celtics. Yeah, you yeah. know he's a good player. I don't understand why he, he was like he was in a, where he goes. He was in a tough situation. Well, and yeah, it's not a locker room thing. I mean, everybody likes him. Like I can tell you that literally from experience. Like everybody likes him, so it's weird. But he helps every team he's on. I don't understand. I I, I don't get it. He Shane helps Larkin the Celtics. Baffles me. He helps the Celtics who had Kyrie Irving, Marcus Smart, and Terry Rozier all in the rotation ahead of him, mm-hmm. and he still like found ways to help them. Yeah, he's just a smart guy, and he's a good team guy. He knows his role. He's just he's a valuable backup point guard. I just I you don't have to play him more than like twelve minutes a night. But uh, while you're trying to figure out who's going to be the stop guy point guard out i think there are far worse options than just going with shane larkin for 30 games and you're already bad defensively like they're already going to be an atrocious defensive team like give up on that dream because deandre ayton and ryan anderson are starting free at the four and five like they're going to be awful yeah deandre ayton might be a literal nightmare this year defensively like i don't think i don't i don't think it's like out of the question that he becomes like a good defender down the road but like this year Oof, he had no idea where he was supposed to be like at the college level and now he's got pros running around him like there's gonna be some problems yeah i i just i don't see that going well in year one so i think they should bet on like no. what can we do to get in the top 10 in an offensive efficiency and one of those things is hey get a smart offensive player who can shoot and uh shane larkin is one of those guys um one of the last things i want to touch on though is uh luka Doncic becoming a divisive figure this offseason is he coming in overweight? People are wondering how he's going to come into the camp. And uh, Dirk Hardy saying that Doncic is better at 19 than uh, Dirk was at that age. And then uh, Kings fans not not enjoying that at all. Uh, unfortunately, not <laughs> to Greg and everybody over there who just they don't deserve it. They don't they don't deserve it at all. Um, but you know what? The Hawks also traded Luka Doncic, so that also sucks. And. I mean, I'm still on the the Doncic hype, but now Rick Carlisle, who I think his opinion matters even more than Dirk in this capacity, because I don't think he's a coach that sugarcoats stuff. You know what I mean? Where like he has no mm-hmm. problem playing vets over supposed young superstars. Shout out to Nerlens Noel, and I don't think he would talk up uh, <laughs> Luka Doncic like he has if he wasn't genuinely excited and thinking, oh. I have a reason to be the coach of the Maverick for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean the thing about, so backing up slightly, the Dirk praise, it's like Dirk saying like, I, you know, he, he thinks he's better than him at that age. It's like, that's fantastic Dirk, but also like you were a seven footer and like one of the greatest shooting big men of all time. Like pull it back slightly. Like I don't, Doncic isn't seven feet and he's a very good shooter, but he's not like, you know, one of the greatest shooters of all time. Um, that being said, yeah, I mean, well, can I say a quote be, real quick I'd before be... we dive into the Rick Carlo thing? So he said, "Yeah, I Mavis saw it." Yes, fans would sorely regret 
missing Luka Doncic's rookie year. I don't think he said that about uh, Dennis Smith Jr. or Wesley Matthews' first year or Harrison Barnes or uh, Dwight Powell. Or Luka Doncic is something I've never seen in my 20 years. That's Dirk's quote. And then, like, it's just the quotes from both these guys, but, like, I'm more into the Rick Carlisle stuff of, like, him just being, like, I love this man. And you saw the way he looked at him in the press conference, in the introductory press conference. Like, this is a thing. Yeah. Certainly. No, I I, I mean, I'm really high on Luka. I think he's really good. I think he's really, really good. Um, I think that Atlanta definitely screwed up. Um, I, you know, I'm really excited to watch him. I I watched him a little bit. I watched a ton of college hoops last year just to get, like, a, a good sense of that. And, like, I never felt comfortable um, putting Luca in my mock drafts because I, you know, I didn't watch him as much as I could have. And I've seen a lot of people complain about people who are like, oh, like he's this man of mystery. And everybody's like, no, like you could have watched him a million times. And I 100% could have watched him a million times. I just didn't because I was lazy. Um, but I, you know, comparing him to the college players, I have no idea um, where I think he should have gone. But I think he's really good. I, I'm, you know, he's he is kind of a man of mystery to me. And that's just because. I'm lazy, but I think he's really good. He's gonna That's my take. Luka Doncic, actually good. He's going to play some four for them this year. Like, I don't even know what his position is. It's going to be so interesting. Like, they are going to be a really weird team because Rick Carlisle, he loves his point guards, and he loves playing them all together. It's the anti-Tom uh, Thibodeau who refuses to play two point guards at once and just Tyus Jones in general. And... We're going to see Dennis Smith Jr. on the court with like, um, I was going to say Yogi Ferrell, but then that whole weird contract thing happened and he's now a Sacramento King. So yeah. un- unfortunately that happened to him because he was really that good. That was a mistake him. on their part. Yeah. It's also a mistake on Yogi Ferrell's part. Like, what are you doing, man? What, what? Whose career benefited in the last five years from just taking a flyer on Sacramento? What are you doing? <laughs> Stay where Rick Carlisle made your career. You're a good NBA player now because of Rick Carlisle. Stay in the system. JJ Barea is still getting checks. He is still getting paid. Stay in Dallas. He plays 19 point guards every year. Jalen Brunson's probably going to get a lot of run on this team. Um, yeah, I just boy, I was. Yeah, go ahead. I was. I, no, I was. I was just gonna say I was about to like make fun of you for saying that Luca was going to be the four on this team. Some, but like I'm like looking up and down their roster. He's going to be the four, a and lot. like he might. Play a little. I don't know about a lot. I think that they would play Harrison Barnes at the four more than they would play him at the four. I know you're looking um, at their depth chart right now. Look at who's behind Harrison Barnes. I'm actually not looking at their depth chart. One second. Jalen Jones, who's apparently a real player. Finney Smith. <laughs> Maxi oh, yeah, Kleber. Yeah. Somebody with the last name Spalding. Giannis's brother. Dwight Powell. Yeah. Dirk can't play Giannis's one brother. more in today's NBA. Giannis' brother was not, not good last year either. Mm. But hey, they're playing the long game. Get his brother, the Chris Smith game. Get right, Giannis' brother right, right. and attract Giannis. And then you have Giannis and Luka Doncic, the international stars. Boy. Who do you, do you think yeah, I mean, there's... Wesley Matthews are on this team by the end of the season? Because I don't. I think one of them is getting moved. Like, Wesley Matthews is on the last year of his $18 million contract, and I think Harrison Barnes has got one more year. I do think that one of those guys get moved. Yeah. I could see that. I would, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what you could, what, what you could get attached. Sucks. 
It low key is for that. God yeah, this awful. is. I was. I was. Just, I was just thinking that. This is tough, man. I don't like anything about this. Right. I mean, I, I like Luca. I, I like, I like, like Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, but I think it's going to be like the red carpet has been laid out for Luka Doncic to win Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of has. I mean, I think it's funny because there's like a few guys on here where I'm like, I'm kind of intrigued by them. Like, I think that Jalen Brunson could be a like a fun backup point guard in the NBA. I know he had a terrible summer league, but like, no, actually, he's it. Yeah. No, I think they have I've, three point guards who I really like. And that's I will always it. love him as a third guard. I think he's like been the most sure? underrated backup point guard in like the last three years. Like, I don't know why Houston signed Mark- Michael Carter-Williams and didn't just go get Devin Harris. Like, what are you doing? Why is Michael Carter-Williams on this roster? What are we doing here? Um, but, uh, yeah, this roster is god-awful. And Luka Doncic is going to play like 36 minutes a night. And it's going to be league pass must see because we're going to get a lot of Doncic lobs to DeAndre. We're going to get Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka trying to figure each other out and how this is going to work. And then you have Wesley Matthews and Harrison Barnes playing like 40 minutes because they literally have no depth behind them. Yeah. Counterpoint, if you can, if you're Dallas and you stink this year and you can have mm-hmm. Dennis Smith Jr., Luka Doncic, and Cam Reddish next year, all of a sudden you got a fun team. You're building something pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know much about Cam Reddish, but I will say that this is a team that's going to be the Jason lottery. Tatum with an, I think Jason Tatum with an uglier jumper. Mm, okay. But like, but like still pretty good. Pretty but he, cause he can, yeah, but, and it, but it like still goes in for, for Reddish. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Lefty or righty? Righty. Right. You know what? Do you believe in this? That like left-handed shots just always look ugly, no matter how pure of a shooter you are, even as a lefty. I'm a lefty, and I just think that there's something about shooting left-handed that will always look awkward to people. Um, is that a good-looking lefty? I, I, I could, I could kind of see that. Yeah. Um, like when we think about the best shooters, we always think about righties and just how clean it looks. Like no one enjoys look. Like it just looks awkward for whatever reason. I think it's just we're conditioned to see righties. Just like yeah. there's no left-handed I mean, in schools. It's a problem, Tom, and we need to address it as a country. <laughs> that uh, left-handed I'm actually, shots I'm, I'm are literally... just, as, uh, just as fun and just as aesthetically pleasing. Harden's shot looks fine. I think he has the best-looking lefty shot of anyone in NBA history. Okay. Okay. And I don't know why. Because, yeah. Like, Manu's always looked awful. Like, just looking at it was terrible. And I feel like that's the... I think about, like, Byron Mullins. I think about, like, so many lefties, and it just... It never has looked good to me. Not a lot of great lefty shooters. I just looked up James Harden. Like, this looks good. Like, his his looks like... His looks like a very normal shot. Like, if if you didn't... You know, if if you weren't literally watching for it, you'd just think it... I guess you would think it was a righty shot. (laughs) But, yeah... No, I mean his his looks his looks good. So I would say he's he's the counter. But I mean, if he's the exception that proves your rule, I wouldn't be very surprised. <laughs> yeah, like Mike Conley. No one's like, mm, love looking at that shot. Warren <laughs> Jogic. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Isaiah Thomas, kind of, just because it's entertaining. It always looks like he's hanging in the air for a good nine seconds when he shoots. Yeah. 
I don't know. Ben Simmons, not helping the cause. <laughs> well, we don't know if he, we don't know which hand he is. Did you hear Ray Allen on Dan Patrick show this week? This is no, I've been trying to out. avoid, I've been trying to avoid Ray Allen stuff since the Hall of Fame because I'm really tired of uh, every Ray Allen storyline. Okay. Well, this isn't about Ray Allen. It's about like yes. what he, he got asked about um, who he, thinks can he could help like he basically got asked if he could help either Lonzo Ball or Ben Simmons and turn them into a good NBA three-point shooter he said Ben Simmons for sure and I was really blown away by that and his reasoning was and I thought this was fascinating is that Ben Simmons has like no jump shot in that like you could change it easily because I don't think he even knows what he wants to do with this shot. <laughs> and Lonzo has just shot weird for years. And he's like, there are other guys that I play with that had weird contraptions in their shot, but it went in. Like he talked about Kevin Martin where it, it was conditioned and he shot like that, but like it went in. So it was fine. And Lonzo has had success in that regard in college and stuff. And it, it, it's just, you can't change it at that point, but like bends him into someone that you could, and he thinks he could actually turn him into like a good three point shooter. So I thought that was fascinating. So what you're telling me is that Ray Allen could potentially turn Ben Simmons into not a coward. Right. That is exactly what um, I'm telling you right now. All right. But I, I respect think it. Lonzo is going to be a bad three point shooter in the NBA. I think he's eventually going to figure it out and playing with LeBron's going to help because he's going to get some open looks. Yeah, I mean, I, so I watched I watched Lonzo in high school, and he was pulling up, obviously from you know ball brother range, but like <laughs> I, I really is that a brand? I really Do I they really hashtag that is that a thing? It for should them? be. Yeah, <laughs> it should be. But I mean, I, I I believed in his shot completely. Like it, obviously, it looked awkward, but you know, Kevin Martin was the perfect comparison for that. Like it it looked awkward, but like but also it looked like cash. I don't know. I I I, I would. If you told me that Lonzo was going to be a good three-point shooter down the line, I would buy into that. Okay. So I'm not crazy there. That's why I was like, huh. I guess it's just like because it's this open canvas, basically, because Ben Simmons is like, we're not even sure what hand he should be using. It's like you could remake right. his entire jump shot. Um, also, would not bet my future on a team that has two franchise guys that have remade their jump shot or could remake their jump shot once they already got to the NBA. Would not hitch my wagon to that franchise. Nope. <laughs> I would not either. But I am yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to stay out of that one. Celtics yeah. Twitter and Sixers Twitter are have been at each other's throats all summer. So I really? uh, Okay. Uh, Is it the Drew Hanlon shots and everything uh, else? Have you have you not been seeing the Celtics and Sixers Twitters? No, I I It is a, I I have not uh, seen any of it. So what's going on? Briefly. Give me It a, is a, wild. Give me a 10 second synopsis. All right, you know the scene in Lord of the Rings when like everybody's just kind of standing in the middle. All right, so anybody who's (laughs) listening to this, you know the scene in Lord of the Rings where everybody's just kind of standing on the battle outside of Minas Tirith and it's just dead bodies everywhere? That is Celtic Sixers Twitter after a summer of um, going at each other about Celtics fans saying, Ben Simmons, shoot a three, you coward. Um, And (laughs) Sixers fans... (laughs) 
Sixers fans. I, like the the thing. So the, the the problem, really quick. The problem is that Sixers fans like this. And and I'm I'm not you know I, I'm a, I'm a reporter. Like I don't have any like stake in this. Sixers fans don't have like a good comeback after this offseason because the Celtics beat them in five games without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. So like what we get like instead is we get Celtics fans being like Ben Simmons shoot a three you coward and Sixers fans Sixers fans being like yeah every Boston fan is in the KKK so it's like it's a okay. little, uh, little dichotomy there um, in terms of I mean, rivalry I but yeah fan, it, and this is something my thing and I, I'm not gonna move away from this is that if I was a Sixers fan I'd be absolutely terrified this has been a disastrous summer for them it's been one of the most low-key disastrous brutal, summers brutal summer no GM yes. still. That's not like, and we know that David Griffin didn't get the job because they have this like group in place now where it's like a, a just a bunch of different cooks in the kitchen. And obviously they don't want to bring in someone who has authority over them because they've been operating with authority this summer. They didn't land right. uh, Kawhi, didn't land Paul George, didn't nope. land LeBron. Nope. They didn't resolve nope. their half court issues. Ben Simmons nope. is not going to be shooting anytime soon. They are relying on they, Joel Embiid they, to be healthy. Markel Fultz, right? We'll see. Like they didn't resolve any of their de- defensive. Right, they didn't resolve any of their defensive issues off the bench. Their bench is worse. It got yeah. They and their bench is worse, and the bench for a full year. Like they need him badly. I, I just JJ Redick was at times. At times, he was easily the best sixer on the floor in those Celtics series. I'm right there with you. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page there. He was bailing them out a lot. Marco Bellinelli was bailing them out a lot with those like falling threes and everything else. It's like <laughs> he was he was bailing anyone... them out while just getting while just getting cooked on the other end. And it wasn't just by like it wasn't just by Tatum like on switches. It was like Marcus Smart was destroying him on the other end, and they still had to have him in the game because they needed his offense. It's uh. Yeah, it's wild. They're in a weird situation. So I will say that that's how we can end this. A positive Boston take. I am much more <laughs> trusting of Boston's future than Philadelphia's. Give me Boston's future every day of the week. All right. If I'm a Philly fan, I am just I'm terrified. I am absolutely terrified because like I think they could be without all three of those guys five years from now. I think they'll be without at least two. Wow. Do you think Joel Embiid's playing okay. basketball in three years? Yes. Yes, I, if I, bet, I do. If you had to bet your career on it, Tom, you think Joel Embiid is playing basketball at the NBA level in three years? <sighs> a gun is to my head, and I have to make yeah. a, a wager one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, two things about this. One, I'll take I'll take the yes. I, th- I think okay. he is playing basketball in three. I, def- I I definitely think he's playing basketball in three years. Um, two, and, and this is actually what gave me pause. If a gun is to my head, do the stakes actually even matter? Like it's like gun to your head, would you bet your career? I mean, gun to my head or like gun to your head, would you bet like a dollar? Like mm. a gun is still to my head either way. That's true. That is true. Mm. All right. Yeah. I just wanted to I make just, sure I, I wasn't think crazy. He's be around. Yes. Like, I just I'm not betting on it. Like he what played sixty games this year. And they need him to play seventy now. Well, but you don't have a worst. You don't have a choice. You have to bet on it because it guns to your head. Is it? Are, are you like fifty? Is it higher than fifty percent that you think he's gone? Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay, okay. I I disagree. Would uh, you bet on Benson I, I being think over thirty eight percent from three in three years? 
<laughs> that I will bet my career on with gun to my uh, bet my career against gun to my head. Doesn't matter. Take it. Take the gun away. I'll put I'll put okay. money on him not shooting thirty eight percent. Is Markel years Fultz three a sixer years. three years from now? I will say yes. Okay. Is he an all star? But I, but I don't. So much of me wants to say yes because I was, I mean, that guy was so freaking good in college. Well, I but I'm going to say is littered with guys who had the yips. If there's one thing I know, it's uh, <laughs> the yips <laughs> is definitely a good sign, a good a good sign for a player's future. As for a rookie, yeah, yes. that's rough. Uh, I think I w- I will say no, and it makes me really sad because I and swear screwed, that guy. By the way. That's done deal. That guy could have been right handed. They're screwed. They're absolutely screwed because that is their. I mean, I guess the only other glimmer of hope is because of that other pick they have coming in. That's it. It's the other. It's the Kings pick, right? Um, that's still. Well, no, they only get. They They only get get the Kings pick if it's depends. Yeah. What is it? It they they literally only get it if it's the number one pick in the draft. Okay, so that's their future. By the way, that's it. The Sixers' future is hanging on them getting the number one pick next year and doing this all over again. I know we said we were going to be done here. I don't totally agree. I think okay. so. I mean, I think I think Ben Simmons could legit be like a super superstar, and without being like a great three point shooter, we haven't really that. seen any. We haven't really seen anything like him before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just in terms of of of, of just the, the passing, the size, the athleticism. I mean, you could say LeBron, but LeBron was different. Ben Simmons is different. Like they're 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 different players. And we um, know when he's on the floor with Joel Embiid, they blow teams out like that. If the numbers did not lie in the regular season when those two played a lot of minutes together, like they were very very tough right. to beat. And I think. I, I mean, I, I don't. I think that they still have a you know a good chance at trying to make a splash in the next off season. Um, you know, there's going to be players available. They should absolutely hire a GM before then. I just, I, I don't think that they're like screwed if they don't get the number one pick in next year's draft. I think that there's other things they can definitely do, and I think that they can still hope for development from their players. Um, even if, I mean, even if you're right about Joel Embiid's future, and I, I would bet against it, but even if you're right, I mean. If you still have like a potential legit superstar in Ben Simmons, that guy is going to do things for you and he's going to attract people to play for you. Um, so I would I would I would definitely not say that I think that they're like screwed, but I think they're pretty clearly like third in the East and they might be fourth. OK. Oh, they're m- max fourth max. Best case scenario this year is they're fourth in the East. I would I would not be surprised if they were fourth. I think that okay. there's I think they could be better than I think they could be better than Milwaukee. But Milwaukee, we'll Boonholzer, and Giannis they're just winning too many games. This team's going to win a bunch of regular season games. The bottom of the East is terrible. Boonholzer is just going to rack up the wins with this group. It's just it's going to happen. Well, uh, Philly Philly plays the same bottom of the East teams. Yeah, and so fair. I don't but, know. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. But uh, we could debate we, Philly well. and Boston forever. But we can go to Twitter for that, as you pointed out. We can witness <laughs> yeah, that in real sure time can. every single day on Twitter.com, every. a great website that you and I are connected to forever because our careers uh, make those kind of mediums necessary for uh, people to read our work and listen to podcasts like these. So we uh, we have to engage and read this stuff every now and then. It is true. <laughs> 
Tom Westerham, this is great. I'm glad we were able to do this tonight. Um, we can find you on Twitter at Tom underscore NBA. Don't, don't tweet Tom. Don't tweet crazy things at Tom. Please don't. Tom's a great reporter from AskLive.com. And uh, read his great work as the Celtics um, get ready to lose to the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals this year. It's uh, <laughs> or a, a Bucks team with a competent head coach. Who knows? The possibilities are endless. Um, endless yeah. possibilities. <laughs> Is there anything coming out this week that uh, you need to plug before we go? No, I mean we're we're pretty much uh, pretty low key until media day, so we'll have uh, you know basic coverage until then, and then uh, yeah, I mean this thing this thing starts up in two weeks from tomorrow for the Celtics, so it's Gordon it's Hayward off and popping. Five on five, so we can move on. He's five on five. Fun. Yeah, not having a son though. Yep. Not having a son. <laughs> Still not there. Yeah, I was I. I told I told my editor that if I didn't have to worry about the SEO uh, of my stories, uh, my headline for tomorrow would be "Daddy's finally healthy." <laughs> or uh, for my stories today, it would be "Daddy's finally healthy." Yeah. But <laughs> okay, well, opportunity editor, missed. I gave the approval, so there's still time. Okay. Just say I said that it's fine. It, as a uh, <laughs> expert on headlines, um, Chase Thomas gave the okay. All right, I'll let him know. Perfect. <laughs> Tom, this was great. As always, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, get some sleep and we will talk again soon. All right, man. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play or wherever else you get your podcasts, uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.